Hello and welcome to the second episode of Embrace Your Delulu. I am Kayla Lupine and today I'm doing a deep dive into what I am calling my lifetime of complicated relationships with men. You know, one of the things with starting a podcast that I was looking most forward to was having the time with myself to sit down and actually verbalize out loud by myself without any interference or questions or opinions, what my experience has been with men throughout my lifetime. Because my relationships with men, both familial, platonic, romantic, have been the most complicated and hurtful relationships that I've had in my life. And at least for me, I have moved throughout my life for the last 36 years with this history and this knowledge and um, this trauma, just to be frank, all just kind of like floating in my head all the time and like creeping in when I don't want it there. And I mean, I feel like I've processed most of this um, with others, with my best friends and As I move into other relationships, I I process past relationships with new relationships, you know, all of, it's just, it's complicated. So let's just dive in because I already feel like I'm, I'm talking in circles. So let's see where this goes. I'm excited to see uh, what pops up for me. You know, growing up with my father, he presented as this big personality, go with the flow, jolly good fella. Um, to the people he worked with, to our friends and family. But it was always a different situation behind the doors in our house. Um, I had a good childhood for all intents and purposes. Like I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about my childhood. I'm just talking about my father. See, this is what I mean. I start to immediately try to cushion the blow. I don't want to cushion the blow. I just want to speak the truth of how it was. So yes, my dad outwardly was this big personality, a jokester, a guy's guy. But then behind closed doors, it was very different. You know, I grew up with constant fighting in the house. Um, Him and my mom, everything that should have been a small disagreement always very quickly escalated to huge blowout arguments. I have a very vivid memory of sitting in my bedroom at night. And I remember listening to my parents just scream at each other in the driveway and just being terrified that the neighbors were going to hear because everything that happened in the house was kept in our little house. And then when we presented to the world, when we would go to church or um, visit with family or friends, it was you put on the smile and we're the perfect, happy family, even though everyone was just being screamed at in the car. So I grew up just where I thought that was very normal. The only view of a relationship, a romantic relationship that I had was my parents' relationship. And now as an adult, I'm able to look back and see that was not healthy at all. Um, My dad was the kind of guy that never filled my mom's stocking on Christmas, who would forget to get her a present until the day of and then would get some cheesy thing from the gas station. I remember in probably I was probably in sixth grade, sixth or seventh grade, I remember being on the phone with my friend watching out my bedroom window again, and realizing that he wasn't coming home when he was supposed to be coming home. And I knew he was cheating on her. And I started keeping track of things that weren't making sense. And it wasn't until I was older that I found out he was cheating on her. He was extremely controlling when he would leave for work in the mornings. Every single day, there would be a to-do list written out on a yellow legal pad of paper on the counter for not just me and my siblings, but also for my mom. Because if he was at work, then we had to be working the whole time that he was gone or we weren't doing enough. Um, We would be weeding the garden. We had a huge vegetable garden, weeding the garden, sweeping the driveway, uh, raking pine needles, mopping floors. Like we were doing full-blown labor from the time we were young kids. Um, 
every day, all day. And if it wasn't done to his expectations, he, when he got home, he would do his pass. He would walk through and make sure the weeds were pulled how he wanted them to be pulled and make sure everything was done up to his standards. And if it wasn't, we would get in trouble. What did trouble look like? Uh, you know, I understand there are varying degrees of what people consider physical abuse and then what some people just consider spanking. Um, my dad would do this thing where when we would get in trouble, he wouldn't just decide to spank. He would send us upstairs to our room and he would make a theater production of the situation. He would sit on the couch downstairs and then he would wait for us to go up to our rooms. He would call us down individually. I can still picture it now. He would be standing there taking off his leather belts from his pants again, making a whole show of it, and would make us bend over his knee and would spank us with his leather belts. And I know everyone will have different and varying opinions, but, you know, this is for me. I, I really don't care about opinions. I have a kid now, and there is literally <laughs> no universe in which I get any kind of pleasure Um or have any interest in making a theatrical production of punishing her physically. Uh, I just would never happen in my household. But this is my experience growing up. And these are just big moments that have have stuck out to me that have kind of defined my relationship with him. You know, as a young child, I feel like he had his moments of fun where he'd play catch with us in the yard. But really everything was about him. He loved to fish and hunt and golf. And we would, you know, I would go golfing with him, but I never did it how he wanted me to do it. And I eventually just said, forget it. I don't want to do this anymore because I couldn't swing it how he wanted me to swing the club. It was just was never good enough. Um, I also clearly remember probably again when I was around seventh grade, being in the kitchen and him walking up to me and, and pinching my belly and calling me Porky Pig. And I was a very healthy, normal kid. Um, there was a lot of body image talk in my house, which was very normal back then. My mom was constantly on yo-yo diets and like, you know, would lose the weight and then gain the weight and, you know, just repeat the cycle. And I get it. I My dad, I think, was very hard on her about her body. Um, and that translated also to me. And then the older I got, I just think that my dad did not know how to transition at all from being a parent to a young child to a parent to a teenager. And then eventually, grown woman. Another thing growing up is my mom was very religious. Uh, we started off going to Baptist church and then to Christian, just I think regular Christian church. I don't know exactly what that is called, if there's a special title for that, but I'm just gonna call it regular Christian church. Um, and my dad refused to go. It is something that he just stuck his heels in the mud. He was not going to go. So I grew up I remember being terrified that my dad was going to go to hell because he didn't go to church with us. And I would beg him, beg him to go. And he would not. If he decided to show up on a holiday, it was a a very, very special occasion. He just was only going to do what he wanted to do, how he wanted to do it. And uh, there was no room for interpretation or caring about anyone else's feelings. This is very interesting to say out loud now. This is why it's interesting to talk it out, because I always knew these facts, like he never went to church with us, um, the way that he treated my mom, the cheating, the way that he treated us kids. But to realize like, oh, he just only cared about him. And this has been... <laughs> A very common theme in my relationships with men. Um, okay, so there's that. So he always refused to go to church with us. Uh, here's just another fun thing. Uh, he got into a lot of really bad gambling issues. And I remember he would get all of these bets from people at his work. And then he would have me type 
them into spreadsheets on our computer because he didn't know how. And again, he didn't want to do it. And then he would pay me and Dairy Queen blizzards. <laughs> so I was, I mean, God, I was young. I, I was probably in sixth grade and I was typing up my dad's betting things and getting rewarded in blizzards. Um, so that's one way we connected. That's great. Okay. So then my parents separated when I was 15 and the craziest thing to this day about that situation is nobody ever sat me and my brothers down and said, hey, your father and I are getting divorced. It was just like, we just knew because all they did was fight and like no one valued our opinion or emotions enough to be like, we should probably sit our kids down and discuss this with them. It was just like, oh, okay yeah, your parents are getting divorced and you found it out because they're fighting and you heard it in conversation. But my dad had my brother and I went with my mom and my brother and my dad stayed in their house and my mom and I moved into an apartment. Um, and they were only separated for, I want to say maybe like six months and got back together. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh my God, here we go again. So we moved back into the house and again, it was probably six months later. I remember it was Christmas time and they were putting up the tree and they were screaming at each other. And I don't remember who said it, but one of them said, well, this is going to be the very last Christmas that we have together as a family. And again, no one brought it up to us. It was just like, OK, well, this is over again. And that's when they finally ended up divorcing for real. And it was during that time that I had to start navigating sharing time and spending time with my dad, which was so insanely awkward. Like, I had never had a close relationship with him. And now all of a sudden, him and I have to spend one-on-one -on -one time together. Um, but I, I really tried. I really did. I remember very clearly one time he wanted to go see a movie with me. And this was, of course, when they were going through the divorce. And I said, okay, great. So we show up to the movie. And I remember sitting in the parking lot. And we missed the movie because we just sat in his truck while all he did was talk shit on my mom about how terrible she was and how awful she was and just any time I spent time with him, he could not help himself. All he could do was talk about how horrible she was. And I had never had a voice with him, ever. I was always just there to do what he asked of me and not speak a word. So I don't remember exactly when it happened, but I remember going off on him and and telling him, I, I can't do this. If every time I spend time with you or try to talk to you, all you're going to do is talk bad about my mom, I don't want to see you. And he just could not help himself. Could not help himself. He needed everyone to know that my mom was a terrible human being. And one of the craziest things that happened is in the process of that divorce, after spending my entire childhood entire childhood up until I was a freshman in high school begging him to go to church. He suddenly decided that after the divorce, it was the perfect time to start going to the church that we went to and try to infiltrate our pastor and everyone there by telling them how horrible my mom was and all of these bad things, just trying to turn everyone against her and raise himself up in the situation. Um, he did the same thing with my great grandma. My mom used to go out there and help her with her medications and do her grocery shopping and all of these things. He never went for those trips ever. But then suddenly they got divorced and he wanted to be my great grandma's best friend and make sure everyone loved him. Um, so that was the kind of personality that I was dealing with. Uh, so once I finally lost it on him and had told him, you know, I, I can't see you anymore. If every time I see you, you're just going to be obsessed with bashing my mother. That's when the no contact really began. And my mom really tried to force the issue of me seeing him. And I just couldn't do it. 
I had finally started finding a little bit of my voice and realized that I had a little bit of control in this situation and could make my own decisions. I was probably 17 when this started. I remember I was working at a diner my senior year in high school, and I remember cleaning up at the end of my shift and looking out the window, and he was sitting in his truck watching me and immediately pulled out as soon as he saw me catch him. And I was so creeped out and I was so uncomfortable that this man in my life, my father, was not able to just talk to me. I was so confused that there was not any sense of normalcy in this relationship that should be so normal and so healthy. And here he was sneaking around trying to look at me, but couldn't handle a conversation with me. Just very fucking confusing. So in the midst of all of this weirdness happening in my life with my family, I attended my very first concert, Dashboard Confessional, May 18th, 2004. And it was this concert that set up the trajectory for the rest of my life. While I was there, I went with my best friend and we were the the emo loving girls. And it this was like the highlight of our life, this concert. If you were a Dashboard Confessional fan, you get it. Ugh. I still will occasionally scream their songs when something is really going down in my life. But anyways, so we're at this Dashboard Confessional concert. I'm feeling like the coolest kid that's ever lived. I was 15 and a half. And at the concert, we were trying to push towards the front. And there was this guy in front of us and he saw me trying to push through the front and he said, here, let me take your hand. I'll help you get to the front. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, what is happening? This is so cool. So this guy pulls me and her to the front. We're like slow dancing. He's holding on to me. We're singing our hearts out. I honestly do not remember if we kiss because this was forever ago. But I'm kind of assuming that we did. I give him my phone number. Mind you, I'm 15 and a half. My mother drove me to this concert. Okay. Um, 15 and a half. I still, this just makes me want to puke because now I am 36 and I just want to go back and protect my little self. But anyways, give this person my phone number. I go home and I have a voicemail from him already on my my home phone. So this is not a cell phone. This is a home phone with an answering machine. Now, this man does not know that um, I live with my parents and that I'm 15. And I did not know how old he was because I am 15. And I am completely naive to any type of real world situation and how things should work. So I get home, I find the message on the answering machine, quickly delete it. I'm like, oh my God, wait until my parents are gone the next day, call this guy. I find out he is 28. 28. Now I'm 15, about to be 16, but still 15. Um, now as a 36 year old woman, I understand that that is illegal and disgusting and creepy and all of the things, but guess who did not find it creepy? The 28 year old, of course. We talked for about six months and then, you know, he lived in Cleveland. I lived in this little small town outside of the city that I couldn't just easily get to. I'm again, I'm in the whole thing is ridiculous. Um, So we talked for about six months and then stopped and I was, you know, dating boys in high school and things like that. And then when I was 17, we somehow got back into communication. And then, you know, I had people in my life who tried to tell me this is not an appropriate relationship. And um, I don't know why nobody called the cops, because now that's exactly what I would do. I had people especially one family that was really important to me in my life, pull me to the side and have a whole conversation with me about how this is not appropriate. And a man at that age should not want anything from a young girl like me. And they were 100% right. Somebody should have called the police and should have 
handled the situation because I was young and naive and did not realize that this person was a predator. But I continued the relationship. When I graduated high school, we moved in together to a loft with him and his best friend. So I was at this point 18 and living with a 30-year-old. But from the outside, we had a wonderful relationship. He was thoughtful and romantic, and he cooked. It was a wonderful cook. He cleaned. He played guitar and wrote songs, and we had so much fun together. But again, that was on the outside. And what was happening at home was very different. Um, And again, this is just the dynamic that now that I'm able to look back, I realize that these are dynamics that have continued throughout my life where everything on the surface looks really great with the relationship with the man, but then the truth behind the closed door is something very different. And that was just so normalized for me that I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I just thought that's the way that it was supposed to be. And even just recently, I was talking to my best friend and we were talking about my ex-husband and she's like, I just had no idea. And she's like, I don't know how you didn't tell me that these things were going on. And I don't know either. And it was just so ingrained in me, like this stuff that happens behind closed doors just stays behind closed doors. What was happening was that he drank a lot. I remember he would buy like a jug of wine, not just like a bottle, but like a a cannon. He used to call it a cannon of wine. And he would drink the entire thing in one night. And I remember his lips would be stained purple. And I was just so like grossed out by that behavior. We somehow ended up getting married in 2011. So at this point, we'd been together pretty much for seven years. And I knew, I knew before the wedding that we should not be getting married. I knew that we shouldn't. But I also, again, just thought like, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to meet someone and get married and have kids and buy a house. And like, you're just supposed to follow this plan that has been predestined for you as a woman. And here I was with this person I'd been with now for years. I'd already invested the time. We got engaged where this is just the right next step. So we ended up getting married in 2011. And this was the beginning of the end. Um, As soon as we were married, you know, there were already issues to begin with. And then the issues just exponentially increased. So despite everything that was going on behind closed doors, there was the big moment that caused our divorce. Broke me out of this bubble I'd been living in, of this idea that I had for my life and what it should look like. And made me realize like, oh my God, I need to take control of my life right this second. So I had gone to bed and my office was right next to our bedroom. I remember waking up, it was like two in the morning and he wasn't in bed. And that was really strange. But I heard him in my office, which was right next to our bedroom. And I remember quietly getting out of bed and I was like, I want to see what he's doing in there because things were just not adding up. And so I tiptoed over to our office. And when I looked in, I saw him watching child porn. And, you know, one of the things that anyone that knows me will tell you is I have like the worst memory, Um, very ADD. And so my memory is just really, really bad. This is something I will never, ever, ever, ever for the rest of my life forget um, was him seeing me catching him. And I was in the doorway, running to the doorway and pushing me to the wall, not trying to hurt me, but trying to get me away from what I was seeing. And then I don't remember anything other than being like, what the fuck? I'm going to insert a little trigger warning here and I'm going to discuss what it was that he was looking at, because I think that as a parent... 
you think like you're protecting your kid and really you're not in ways that you wouldn't even expect. So what he was looking at was not a porn site. He was actually going to Kodak galleries where families would upload their personal images to save. And you could search by... um, terms and it would pull up any relevant photos. So he would type in um, girls in leotards and it would pull up all of these pictures of young girls from I'm talking ages three to 10 maybe um, at ballet recitals or wearing bathing suits. He would type in sucking on a sucker and it would be all little girls. Um, Just disgusting and Again, why I am a single adoptive mom today and why I protect my daughter to the ends of the earth and why I am so cautious about her spending time in homes where there are men. Um, This just completely, completely shattered my world. Because the thing is, it, it all made sense. I was preyed upon. I was a fantasy. And then as I got older, the fantasy was no longer there. And again, this is this is very, very graphic. But I think that there is a lot of power in just like saying this out loud and hearing the cruelty of what women have experienced from men throughout the course of their life that get them to a certain point. So I I still have this email to this day because I've always saved it in case he ever came back and was like, that never happened. Uh, I had said to him in an email, just tell me why. Why? Give me some kind of explanation. Help me understand this. I was still going to leave. The explanation was not going to make me stay. But something in me needed to understand. I felt like there's got to be something I'm missing. Well, I wasn't. What he said to me, his excuse for being attracted to young kids and looking at images for sexual gratification of young children was because, in his exact words, looking at those images reminded him of what it was like to F me when I was thin. And that is, it's just one of those things you never forget. That was just like the little cherry on top. Um, And so, yeah, I I left that marriage. Uh, The morning after that happened, I remember waking up and he had gone to the gym and for some stupid reason decided to leave his cell phone at home. And I had never And our entire relationship looked through his phone. And I opened his phone that morning and there were text messages to this young hostess at this restaurant that he worked at um, and songs he had written for her. And again, was just restarting the process with a young girl. Um, I had my craziest moment as a woman. And I remember going to the gym and I walked in and there was a balcony and I saw him up on the balcony and I yelled up at him that it was over and I was leaving him and I yelled that in front of everyone and I left and I started my life over as someone who had never been alone and never had to have my own place and just navigate life as an individual it was a, a massive, massive transition for me. Um, we owned a home together. We had a dog together. And everything that I thought I knew about love and relationships was just in the trash. And I had to re-figure out everything. Um, so in the midst of that marriage, we'll get back to my dad. We're going to go back to him for a second. You know, we were on and off, no contact for many years. And... You know, there is one quote that I now live by, and I'm going to quote it terribly, but it's something to the effect of that when men realize that their daughters are not as forgiving as their mothers, that's when the relationship dissipates. And it's so true. My mom 
just forgave him time after time after time after every fight, after just not treating her well in any way. She she stuck by him for many, many years through cheating, through fighting, through neglect, through all of these things, she stuck with him. And as soon as I had my own voice, and I started to use that voice, and to say how I felt, he could not handle that and could not ever see me as an autonomous human being. And um, I remember one time I, I swore in front of him. I, I mean, I had to have been in my 20s. And he swore all the time, like all the time. I just remember saying something in a casual conversation and him being appalled that I would ever speak to him like that. I wasn't even swearing at him. I was just using it in a sentence. Um, He just expected me to be this little child that was going to act and do what he wanted, how he wanted, when he wanted it for the rest of my life. And that's not possible because I'm not a robot or here to serve the purpose of being the daughter that he wanted me to look like. Like, I'm my own person. Um... So our relationship dissipated over the course of the years until I received an envelope from him. It was the Christmas after my divorce. I remember I was going to a Christmas party with a bunch of friends and I received this envelope in the mail and it was from my dad. It was a big envelope. I open it up. There's a bunch of pictures in there and a handwritten letter. And so I read the first page of this letter and it's so nice. And it's like, I remember when you were a young child and yada, yada, yada. I don't remember what it said. Um, But the first page was so nice. And I remember tearing up thinking like, oh my gosh, he gets it. Like he gets it. This is it. This is happening. Then I flip it over and the next page says, But all of that has been tarnished, and now I no longer need these memories of you. And it was at that moment where I realized, like, oh, (laughs) no, he didn't change. Of course he didn't change. He's never going to change because they don't ever change. And uh, what he was doing was returning all of the photos he had of me, his daughter, because he had no use for them. Um, And it was terrible. It was sad and um it just felt like shit I would never do it to my kid again like just don't talk to me then just let it be if you don't want the photos throw them away you don't just gotta like again keep hurting keep trying to see what might make someone come back our last conversation ever was I was at a friend's house and I was probably 25 and He called me, and I don't remember why, and he was just lying about something. And I said, you know what? If you want me to talk to you, then tell me the truth right now. Admit that you cheated on my mom, because all he did was lie. And I know for a fact he cheated on my mom. He gave my mom, uh, well, I won't, I won't go into her her business, but a woman had written my mom letters because she was seeing my dad. And there were other things that happened that were surefire proof. He had been cheating on her. And all I wanted was for my dad to confess to one thing as a man and to be able to look at me, his grown daughter who owned a business, went through a divorce, had bought a house, like was a grown human being. I just wanted him to be able to say to me, you know what? Yes, I did this. And I messed up. And I'm sorry. And he couldn't. As soon as I said that he he went, I have never cheated on your mother. And he said it with such conviction. And I don't know if his wife was sitting next to him or if someone was in the room and he needed to defend himself. But like, at what point can you just be honest with yourself? (laughs) Like, I'm your kid. Like, I witnessed all of it happen. And you think that I can be gaslit out of it? That, like, you can rewrite history and I'll just remember your version? Like, that's not how it's going to work. So as soon as he said, I have never cheated on your mother, I said, okay, that's, I'm good. I, I don't ever need to talk to you again. And I hung up the phone and I've never talked to him since. And that was probably a decade ago. 
Um, and I, I am so happy with not having him in my life. I think, you know, a lot of people, especially like older than me, think that there must be this huge hole in my life or something lacking from not having that relationship, but it's just not accurate. And I think that more people would benefit from getting rid of toxic relationships in their life. (laughs) So I am very at peace with where things left off and I'm at peace with knowing who my father is. So after my divorce, I dated a bunch. Uh, My very first relationship after my divorce was, again, complicated. Um, I'd never dated before as a woman. And the night that we met, he lived up the street from me. And I'll never forget, he rode his bike down. We lived across from, um, if you're from Cleveland, from Edgewater Park. I lived right across the street from there. And so he rode his bike down. And I remember getting two big thermoses and filling them up with Jack and Coke and ice and walking out. It was nighttime. And we sat on this picnic table and we drank them and just talked and talked and talked until it started pouring rain. And we got soaked in the rain. And I still have a photo of me walking inside, completely drenched, carrying this picnic blanket and these Jack and Cokes and just feeling like so insanely excited about dating and meeting new people and feeling butterflies and all of the things. Um, But I don't even know how long we were together. Not long. (laughs) Probably maybe eight months we were together. But Again, my first relationship post-divorce, it was an intense eight months. And, you know, he is a a good guy. We still are friends and still text occasionally. We've kept up with each other throughout the years. Um, but back then, and I think he would admit this too, he had a ton of growing to do. But it just was not a healthy relationship. Um, I remember one night... It was freezing cold. We had the polar vortex. So this was, if you lived in Cleveland at that time, you remember the polar vortex. It was freezing. Like we're talking 20 below zero, freezing cold, wind, snow. And where I lived, it was street parking only. And back then, God, I'm just making myself sound so old, um, we would go get the movies from like the Red Box, I think it was called, where you would actually go to the store and like rent the DVD out of the machine. And so he had a parking spot on the street and I had just had like a medical procedure and was not feeling great. And he wanted me and I did it. This is the worst part. I did it. He wanted me to stand in his parking spot to save it for him. While he went and rented this DVD so that he would have a good parking spot when he came back. And I did it. I don't think I did it the whole time. I think I stood out there for about 10 minutes in negative 20 degree temps, wind blowing until I realized, like, what are you actually doing right now? Like, (laughs) there is no way that this grown man is asking you to stand in a parking spot for him when he could just park a little bit further away if that spot gets taken when he gets back. And uh, yeah, we broke up shortly thereafter. Um, And I, it has just been complicated ever since. I have, I dated for many years before I decided to adopt my daughter and I just was not meeting anyone that I found any interest in. I'll give you a few of of my worst stories that have gotten me to where I am today. There was one guy who I went out on a date with and just immediately knew that I was not interested. And the next day I messaged him very nicely and I said, hey, I had a great time with you. You know, I didn't really feel a connection, but I wish you all the best. A few hours later, I don't know how he got my address, but he left flowers on my doorstep with a diary that he had handwritten about our, I guess, love story. And there was like an entire chapter in it 
about how I had apparently worn a black bra on our date and he was able to see it and how obviously I had worn that specially for him, which I I did not. And I did not know that you could see the bra. Um, And I just felt incredibly creeped out. And I told him to never contact me again. And in response to me telling him to never contact me again and to never come to my house again, he sent me a video of him pleasuring himself at work with my personal Instagram page pulled up on his computer that he was using for that purpose. Um, So that was not great. Um, And I don't know how I continued dating after that. But again, it's just what you're supposed to do as a woman is like focus on romantic relationships, right? So I continued to date. Um, I had a male friendship who I thought he was like my best friends, like a brother to me. There was never any hint of anything romantic ever. I made it very clear. I was not interested in that, but we talked every day. We saw each other all the time and it was, we were genuinely just friends. Like we talked about people we were interested in, um, all of these things until one night we were out and I got drunk and he took advantage of me. And profusely apologized for it. And I thought, okay, this was like a one-time thing. We shouldn't have been that drunk. Um, and I should have, you know, I blamed myself. Like I should have said no more or said it differently or what physically hurt him. I don't know what, why I put any blame on me for that. But it was my first time experiencing something like that. Um, And so I forgave him. And then the same thing happened again when we were traveling uh, together with another friend. Um, And, you know, it happened again. So that left me with a really bad taste about male friendships. (laughs) Um, And so that really skewed my idea and belief in the possibility of having men just as friends. The last person that I dated before adopting my daughter was the first person I had really, really been into since my first relationship post my husband. And we just had a fantastic time together, great chemistry. Um, He did some work with Big Brother, Big Sister, and he had me come into his classroom and talk to the kids about photography. We just had a great time together. Like I was very into this guy. Um, and then the day that I had gone to talk to his class about photography, he told me that he was thinking about moving to California and I was like devastated. It's like, okay, great. Here we go. (laughs) Like finally someone I'm interested in that I'm very attracted to that I get along with great. We have a great time together. And of course he's moving to California. But again, that was like the final straw where I was like, okay. I'm done dating for right now. I need to take a break. This is not working for me and I'm not enjoying one second of any relationship with a man I've ever had. Um, And then the adoption with my daughter popped up into my life. I'll give you the really short version of a really long story and I'll, I'll share the whole story on a different episode. But I was thinking about adopting. I said something to my mom She works at an OBGYN office and I had asked her, you know, does anyone ever come in looking to place for adoption? She said she would ask the doctor at her work. She asked the doctor, he said in 25 years, it had never happened. And then the next day, my daughter's birth parents came in and said, do you know anyone looking to adopt? And so that is the short version of my adoption story and how I went from a single woman just having fun to a single mom with only eight weeks notice. That was a huge leap of faith. But I took the next few years of, I took the first few years of my daughter's life, like completely disconnected from men. I was not on an app. I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't have anything physical with anyone. I was completely in mom mode for the first three and a half years of her life. Like it was me and her day in, day out. When my daughter turned four, that is when I felt ready. Like, okay, (laughs) even 
if it was just physical, like I missed connection. I am still a human being. I am a woman. I have needs. We don't need to go into that too much right now. But like, I missed connecting with a human being. Like physical touch is my number one love language. Like I just missed partnership. I missed communicating. I thought, okay, I, I'd had enough time away from the dating scene. I was ready to hop back in. Um, I got online and man, it is it is not hard to meet people. It is very insanely easy to meet people. It is almost impossible to meet good people. <laughs> so I saw someone briefly and not interested. It was not going to be a thing. Then I met someone. We'll call him B. I was very into B. He was tall, dark, and handsome. He had a great job, a beautiful home. He was funny, charming, witty, like, you know, he just, he did his thing. Um, I was very attracted to him. I had great chemistry with him. And he seemed all in on me. He would come over. It was the winter when we started dating. He would shovel my driveway for me. He bought me a beautiful gold bracelet um, that I loved. You know, he was showing me all the signs that it was us. (laughs) We were a thing. We were doing this. (laughs) We dated for probably two months before he started having to travel for work. He worked in the oil field and... um, I have since learned that the oil field is like the number one, one of the number one fields for cheaters because they are just traveling always and they're gone for long periods of time. And so, you know, I was super missing him. It was his second trip away. And I was like, okay, I'm going to come visit you. He was like, oh, this week is really crazy. I'm working until like 11 p.m. at night. And he was sending me photos of him with like the night lights out on the, you know, on the job site. And it all made sense. I'm like, okay, no worries. So then it's like the following week. I was like, okay, I'm going to come this week. And he's like, oh, no, same thing. I'm like, okay, what is going on? Tale as old as time, this girl (laughs) starts watching my Instagram stories. And I'm like, okay, here we go again. Uh, turns out he was also, he met her when he was at this job site and was doing that. And I'm like, you have got to be fucking kidding me right now. Like, how? How? Why? Like, how? Okay. So ended that relationship. And I'm like, okay, I'm done again. Took some time off from dating. And then I went to film for Shark Tank. So if I had gone out to film for Shark Tank on the flight that they were going to book me, I would have arrived the day before I filmed and then left the day after. And I just knew with the time change and like this being one of the biggest opportunities of my life, I wanted some cushion. I wanted to get there, have some time to adjust, rest, and also have a little bit of a break from being a mom. So I get out there and I meet this guy and we had an amazing, amazing time together. Like, it was just the best male experience that I'd had in a really, really long time. Um, And he was so thoughtful and considerate and treated me so well. We went down to Venice Beach and we had margaritas and we rented electric bikes and we rode all the way up the beach to Malibu and back. And then, you know, obviously we were in California. We had a little bit of green on the beach at sunset. And that's how I ended my trip there. He was just like so protective when we were walking, you know, held my hand everywhere, made sure he was in front of me or beside me, was watching out for me. Like, was so attentive to my every need while we were together. And when we were sitting on the beach and talking, I remember laying my head on him and I just started crying. And it sounds so pathetic, but I hadn't felt like that in so long. And I'm like, of course, of course I would come to California and have this experience and 
then it's just done. <laughs> like I, I go back home and it's just me again. And I knew that it was not going to turn into anything because he lives in California. And um, I was just really sad for myself to like feel how I felt for that time period and know like, okay, back to not being treated like this again. So that was like a sweet spot in my dating history. Um, Came back home. Again, didn't date for a few months. And then I decided, all right, I'm getting back on the apps. I'm giving it a go. And I did. And I met a guy. We will call him S. And S took up all of my romantic brain space for the majority of 2023. Um, But it was a situationship. And it didn't start off like that. I didn't think I was not interested in a relationship. I wanted to do it differently this time. I wanted to just have fun and like chill with someone. And I told him these things up front. And, um, you know, that wasn't the case. And we had an amazing first date. We talked for hours at the bar. Um, afterwards, we went down to the basement where there was like a little nightclub and we danced like some intimate kind of sexy dancing and then when we were outside waiting for the uber we kissed and kissed and kissed a little more and it was great and I was like oh no what if I like this guy and I'm like okay I'm gonna try not to but what did I like about him I First off the bat, thought he was very attractive. He's extremely tall. I'm six foot. He's six seven. Um, good style. He's just like a cool dude, but also funny and um, intelligent, successful in his career. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So we had our first date and then I think it was two days later he came over and the rest was history and you know he also seemed to be very interested and on the same page and you know I remember the night that he had stayed the night I said to him like I feel so safe with you and it was true I did I felt very like safe with him and once you start dating you realize that's a hard to feel like it's rare that I genuinely feel chemistry and attraction and compatibility with a man. Um, in the course of my lifetime, I've had it with like four people. I'm 36. Um, it's just not something that I feel with everyone. And so the next day after I had told him that I felt safe, he had texted me the next night and said like, I don't take what you said lightly and I promise you I won't mess that up. And then things just continued to evolve and he planned some fun dates and we had a great time. We went to dinner and a comedy show. We went to this art walk um, and had dinner after that, an amazing night. Like it just all seemed like it was on the right trajectory. And then boom, communication just fell off. (laughs) Like... I, I don't know what happened. Um, the situation has somehow carried on throughout the rest of the year. So it started in April and then it just continued through the end of 2023. And if I'm being totally honest, I was standing on business about no contact until a few days ago. And then I caved because I am only human and... I do feel safe with this person and I know this is someone I'm not going to be in a relationship with, um, that they don't have the capacity for the type of relationship that I desire. But also at the same time, I am a human being who craves connection and closeness with others. So If I try to look back and think like, what have I learned from the situationship with us is that I am so clear now on what I need 
from someone that I would actually be able to have a fulfilling long-term relationship with. And even if it's delusional, after all of my experiences with men, I really still believe that there are, that there has to be, what do I believe? What do I believe, Kayla? The biggest lesson that I've learned from us is this, that their behavior will tell you everything you need to know. If they're not showing up for you in the ways that you need, and you've expressed that, and they're still not doing it, they do not want a relationship with you. Plain and simple. If you feel confusion at all, they don't want you. (laughs) Like, they don't want to be in a relationship with you. And you don't need them to verbalize that to you for whatever the reason is. Their behavior will tell you everything. Now, on the flip side of that, I dated or went on dates with two other people this year who were so nice, like incredibly kind, treated me like a princess, um, did all of the things that I would have wanted us to do. But I just couldn't get myself to that place of like chemistry and compatibility with them. So the flip side of that is just because someone is kind and treating you how you want doesn't mean that you have to be with that person. Like if you are not feeling it or something is not there, like that's okay too. I am not at a place in my life where I feel like I need a relationship with a man to make any part of my life fulfilling. I am so fulfilled in my career and my relationship with my daughter and my friends and my family that a relationship with a man is bonus at this time in my life. And I hope that there comes a day where a romantic male relationship is a big part of my life. But if that's not right now, that's okay. And if that doesn't ever happen, that's okay too. I will find other ways to continue fulfilling those parts of my life. And I think that the story that we have been told growing up as women, that there is like this path of you meet someone, you fall in love, you date, you get married, you buy the house, you have the kids, like that story no longer needs to be the narrative for every woman you know, the divorce rate is over 50%. I was a wedding photographer for over a decade. I photographed hundreds of weddings and there were very few relationships that I saw that I was like, wow, that's something that I would want in my life. So I just think that now I'm at this interesting stage in my life where I can really decide what feels best for me. I'm sad that this has been my experience with men. Like... I hope that my daughter has a very different experience. I'm grateful that I am starting her life off without the trauma that I've had and the story that was put in my life of how you should be treated by a man. And, you know, all of that was ingrained in me from what I saw growing up. And my daughter is witnessing a very different story of a woman who lives her own life by her own rules and makes decisions based on what's best for her and not what others think I should be doing. And so we'll see. I think it's going to be interesting to see how her relationships with uh, men or women (laughs) romantically play out in her life. And that's my history of men. I thought I was going to have some like great ending to it, but that's where I'm at. And you have any eligible single bachelors who are six one or taller because mind you I'm six foot tall dark and handsome is my go-to but uh I'm open mostly open to emotionally healthy and available men who understand their feelings and can communicate them if you're out there hit me up I'm just I'm kidding I'm kidding am I kidding I'm kidding (laughs) so that's my that's my history of men and maybe now that I've verbalized it and put it all out there, I'll have some like interesting thoughts and maybe I'll do a follow-up episode. 
But for right now, we're just going to give you the chronological timeline of the complicated lifetime of relationships with men that I have had. And um, I hope that your experiences have been better. But if they haven't been, know that you are not alone. I don't know if this was useful, but if anything, it's a little a little diary for me and it feels good to say all that. And there's no school today. It's an in-service day right after Martin Luther King Day, right after winter break. Uh, our power was out from the storms like three days this week. I'm finally feeling a little better after two weeks of horrible sickness. So I am going to go play with my daughter embrace the snowfall that we have. And I hope you guys all have a wonderful day. And cheers to whatever the heck I just talked about for the last however long it was. Have a good day.